This is Blurring the Lines with Adam Bell and Peter Nicolaitis, IT entrepreneurs. Adam and Peter take on the topics of technology, business, life, and the pursuit of happiness and blur them together in the 21st century. Good afternoon, good morning, or good evening, and welcome to Blurring the Lines podcast. This is episode 38. I'm your co-host, Adam Bell. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, Peter Nicolaitis. How you doing today, Peter? Fantastic. I thought I had the day off and that you had a different co-host <laughs> that no one was going to host today. No, no. We, we don't let you off even for your birthday. Damn it. <laughs> <sighs> there we'll, is no rest for the wicked. We'll come, we'll come back to your birthday, but, but joining us today is Tim Richter with Arcor. He is he does happen to be another computer guy. Uh, his company is located in Raleigh, Durham in North Carolina. Welcome to the show, Tim. Hey, how you doing today? <laughs> doing well, doing well. <laughs> Glad you could be here. It's been a long time since we've seen you. It's a little over 24 hours since we did the <laughs> What the what you can learn from six successful cybersecurity experts? Hey, there's a lot did, of did alliteration it have the word in successful that. Successful in it? Did it did it actually have the word successful? It's implied. It's oh. implied. <laughs> okay. I know we're all experts. I'm just wondering if we're successful at being the expert. You know, except for Peter. Except for Peter. He he's the certified one. Peter. I'm, I'm certifiable and he, certified. Yes. 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 Well, so, I, I meant certifiable. You know that. Yeah. Yes, right. I'm both. You, you've also reached the age where you might forget that. <laughs> forget what? Forget what? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, so so getting back to that, so Peter, uh, uh, what what year of your birth is this? Since you're not I'm a woman, not so telling. it's you're not a woman, totally so <laughs> yeah, totally not telling. That is privileged information. I'll send it to you via an encrypted channel, but you have to sign a uh, sign a non-disclosure agreement. Let's see. <laughs> so I, I'm going to guess that you cannot be older than me. I'm 42. So and I'm if... going to guess that neither one of you are older than me. Yeah. <laughs> Tim looks well, we great for Tim, 60. Tim's 24. You know, he's 24, <laughs> and he's been in uh, working in the computer field for like 27 years now. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> No, so. gentlemen, gentlemen, I turn a half century this year. For real. You look good for yeah. 50. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, 49, I'm... another couple of months, I'm 50. Of course, but... our, our listeners are going to have to just take your word for that because, you know, <laughs> this isn't a video <laughs> podcast. Well, <laughs> they can card me. Yeah. Well, I mean. <laughs> Virtually. He, he, he looks like a 50-year-old Tom Cruise, right? I mean, <laughs> there that, you go. That, that's no, about no. <laughs> Tom Cruise is going. I mean, he looks like he's getting younger. So, absolutely. <laughs> he could be the, yeah. the the male version of Jennifer Aniston. She looks as young as she did 20 years ago. <laughs> or, or that movie with Brad Pitt where he aged backwards. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That's it. All uh, right. We, uh, I, last night, I just went to, uh, did my normal routine, went to a couple of Krav Maga classes, and then uh, went out for a couple of drinks with friends afterwards. That was mm -hmm. about it. But tonight, tonight is the official celebration. Cool. So well, as soon as we're finished with this, I got to run to yoga, got to run some errands, pick up my new pair of, well, my old pair of boots that I'm having resold. So mm -hmm. I'll have an update on that next week. And then uh, off to a local pub. Nice. Well, I I thought about it, you know, since you've been beer brewing, 
and you you have to try your craft and and now you are appreciating other other brews i've got i've got a question for you are you one becoming a beer snob and two is it messing up your diet uh, one, I am becoming a beer snob, although I have to say that when I have, you know, I never really drank beer. Uh, I still would not say I drink a lot. I mean, on average, like every time I have a checkup or something, they ask me at the uh, doctor's office, you know, how, how many often, how often do you drink? I say somewhere usually between zero and seven alcoholic drinks per week. <laughs> because there will be weeks at a time when I do not drink any alcohol. Mm-hmm. And then there will be like, you know, okay, I go out on a Friday night and I'll have two beers. And then maybe on Saturday I'll have a beer and Sunday I'll have two glasses of wine and that's and it. And Monday that's... he doesn't remember how much he actually had. <laughs> yeah. Monday I have no idea, which is why I mark it off. You know, I, I do zero as I go. You know, yeah. I was like, I drank four gallons of beer last night? Wow. Well, that's what the diary says. That must be true. <laughs> So, um, but yes, I have been a beer snob as for a while, as like, as long as I have been aware of the beer that I've been drinking. And since I almost never drank in college, um, I've pretty much been a beer snob for as long, you know, as long as I've been an adult. So, (laughs) yeah. So yes, I am a beer snob. Um, I noticed like last night, the place where I went, they listed the, um, the IBUs for all of the uh, the beers. Mm-hmm. And so it was, I was like, all right, where's the lowest one? And uh, luckily I found it. It was a, a Scottish ale, and it was pretty good. Yeah. And then for my next one, I went the next one up. It was like in the 45 range, and uh, wow, it was bitter, and I did not like it. <laughs> so yes, uh, I am becoming a, a beer snob. Now, as far as the diet goes, uh, for about a year... It was just about, it was early September to early September, 2015 to 2016. I was pretty consistent with the slow-carb diet. And uh, around that time uh, leading up to it, I started making some tweaks. You know, like, okay, let's see what I can get away with. And uh, everything was going fine. And then I officially, I believe it was October, switched over to the Mediterranean diet. Mm-hmm. And then that rapidly devolved into, eh, whatever. And my weight <laughs> didn't fluctuate all that much, but I was starting to feel a little flabby. And my energy levels were feeling a little bit down. Uh-huh. And uh, so essentially, like for a first couple of weeks, it was just the slow carb diet with beer. <laughs> and then it was became... beer. Was beer your carb? Beer was the carb, yes, but it's not a slow carb. <laughs> so, um, so I switched that over to the Mediterranean diet with beer, and then I decided, you know what, I think I'm going back. So I'm actually, as of uh, just this week, I went back to the slow carb diet again. Okay. Uh, again, it's it's my customized one with some tweaks. So, like for instance, these last two days, uh, I did not eat anything until afternoon. And uh, last night I did it. Uh, basically, I just I drank coffee. So it was like for the first six hours of the day, I didn't have anything but but coffee. And then um, yeah, I had some fish. And then uh, last night had a couple of drinks. So today I had a protein shake around 11:30, 100 calories, and other than that it was just like coffee in the morning, 
And then, um, so I've had a couple of cans of tuna and a little bit of olive oil. And that's about all I've had so far today. Okay. And uh, it's working out okay. I'm just like, every time I get hungry, I make sure I, I force myself to drink a liter of water before <laughs> I actually eat anything. Mm-hmm. And suddenly I'm not that hungry. <laughs> well, yeah, because you're too busy peeing. <laughs> yeah. I'm, 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 Guys, guys, I'm not even going to bring up food and how I eat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm four years on forks over knives, which is a vegan with no extracted oils. Pain. That sounds just painful to me. And Tim describes, <laughs> he doesn't just make dinner. He orchestrates a dinner because he's got to grow his snapped peas and they can't touch the kale and they must be processed <laughs> to... <laughs> And, and and ground into 1.2 millimeter inches and <laughs> inches. Well, I'm mixing them all up there. But Tim does have a pretty serious diet. So what you're saying is he's a level 37 vegan. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, I I have to say, I have to say, you know, the people who are vegans that I that I talk to uh, are um, are vegans because they care about animals, and and it's all an animal thing. You know, mm-hmm. I don't I I don't want the chicken to hurt. I don't want I don't want the cow to feel you know emotional stress while it's while it's being raised, and, and I'm just the opposite. I mean uh, I mean you know I I hate to say it, and I may have you know multiple people now turn the podcast off when I say <laughs> I I really don't care. Um, <laughs> I I'm I'm not I'm not a caring vegan. I I, I eat because of health. I eat because I eat this way because I love my wife. But I, uh, you know, it, it's it's that's about it. I uh, so so otherwise I I be I you guys would see me eating a cheeseburger right now before I ate like this. I pretty much was uh, was that Hardee's commercial where they used to say, "Do you eat hamburgers 365 lunches out of the year?" And I'm like, "Yeah." Mhm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. Me. Talking to your target market right there. Yeah. <laughs> See, yeah, that, were, that, that was me before this. That was I thought, me. I thought you were going to. Um, I thought you were going to say what I do is like. No, no, I don't eat. Um, I'm not a vegetarian because I I uh, love animals. It's because I hate plants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't think of it that way. Did not think of it that way. Yep. Yeah. Have you Have you seen that dude? Uh, he does like a YouTube videos of like. He says, "What if, what if meat eaters." treated people like veget or like vegetarians do you know like they beat you over the head with it I'll, I'll have to look up that video and i'll put it in the show notes it's hilarious my wife he's like this red-haired ponytail guy it's it's hilarious so i gotta send that i'll locate that but add that to the show notes add that to the show notes so uh while we're talking about beer brewing or we've been near that uh yes. tim's going to get me some honey for mead I'm going to try ah. to make mead. But Tim hasn't gotten that to me yet. But <laughs> that's because... Is, is, is that a hint or what? Well, that's because I'm not talking to the beekeeper. I'm talking to the assistant beekeeper. Assistant beekeeper. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. 
So, so the, the, the beekeeper's not in at the moment, thank you very much. You only have assistant beekeeper here. Remind in, in me fact, again. In fact, for the, first, for the first year, I didn't even have a bee suit, guys. I, I was relegated to uh, a hat and veil, and, and I wore like three pair of sweatpants and would get like six, seven, you know, stings at a time. And then finally, I earned my beekeeping suit after like a year. <laughs> it showed up. It showed up for my birthday about two years ago. <laughs> that sounds like some of the trials I have gone through at various martial arts schools. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Tim, I had no idea you were so rugged. <laughs> <laughs> you guys got sand. <laughs> yeah. Well, as I, as I tell people, bees are the most calm, relaxed. At least honeybees are the most calm, relaxed. Um, grouping of individuals you'd uh, you'd ever see until you start taking their honey uh, imagine what it'd be like if i peter if i came over to your house and your door was unlocked i opened it up i just walked in i started rummaging around your refrigerator packing everything up in a bag i uh, you know uh, when went in grabbed some socks from your socks drawer you, you know and anything you owned essentially that was part of your life and st- and then start walking out the door i mean i you you'd probably pick up a baseball bat and start whacking at me <laughs> when you were saying that i was thinking you know bears are probably the same way you know <laughs> yeah. bears are they're they're just chill they just like to lie around they don't really do much but man you go near their bears honey they get pissed <laughs> yeah. Yeah. or yeah. their babies but, but imagine but you know you know it's, it's it's interesting because my homeowners association says that i can only have a maximum of three pets and we have uh two hives right now and in the middle of summer they probably have conservatively 25 to 30,000 bees in each hive. So I have about 60,000 pets in my backyard. <laughs> that sounds like a hell of a violation, but I don't think that they count as pets. Are they not considered livestock? No, they're not because that's strictly forbidden in the homeowner's <laughs> covenant. Uh, and, yeah, agricultural and, and livestock is not. It gotcha. is, so they are, they are pets. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Pets so with the, pets with a twenty-day lifespan. So, so tell well, me, t- how do you get? I mean, you get honey out of there. You just told us that bees don't like for you to get honey out of there. How do you get honey out of there without coming home a pincushion? <laughs> Oh well, uh, l- let me let me describe to you. There there are there are three or four types of hives. The the white boxes you see are what's called a Langstroth hive, and those actually have pre-built frames in them that you'd remove and you brush the bees off of it. You put it in a box. You and then you'd take it into like the garage and you'd uh you'd carve just really thin amount cat the caps off of each side of the of the frame and then you put it in a big drum and spin that really fast and through centrifugal force the honey would whip to the sides of the drum and then drain to the bottom but but Uh, you you still avoided how do you not get stung (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> you described the hive, but you didn't describe how you got out of there clean. <laughs> well, that, that's not the hive. That's not the type of hive we have. Okay. Uh, we, we have what's called a top bar hive, uh -huh. which is essentially there are bars of wood uh, in. It, it looks like a. It looks like a little coffin, you know, in size, but it, across the top of it, it's hollow inside, uh, and and we put a little bit of uh, we put a little bit of wax on the top, and the um, and the bees actually draw down a comb from the top and what we do is so we take that out you, you have a brush you brush the bees off of each side as much as you can then you walk over to a five gallon bucket and you take a knife and you cut the comb off of it and the comb drops in the bucket then you take the the um, bar or little board and put it back in so they can rebuild a comb and refill it with nectar to create honey. Um, now, it, through that process, the first thing that you do is you have a smoker, which is, um, you, you may have seen them, they're, um, they, they are little um, metal canisters that you put some type of fuel in this case we we keep some pine needles and mm -hmm. put it inside and then you light it and you have a little baffle and once you put the cover on with the hole you baffle air into it and um out comes smoke what you do is you go to the hive and you squirt a small amount of smoke in the front and then as you're working with it again you uh you squirt you, you blow smoke in and what that does is that mimics a forest fire mm -hmm. so what the bees do is they say oh no we're gonna get burned we're gonna have to run so what they do is they eat and gorge themselves on the honey and so that what that does is that makes them listless and slow and they don't want to fly anywhere especially as the smoke starts to dissipate yeah, but what, they say. then how are you, do you have to like go and give them all the Heimlich maneuver then? I mean, how do you get the honey back? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. They're eating little tiny, tiny bits of it okay. from wherever they are. Yeah, so, but there's so like 60,000 of them. I mean, that, that's got to be a lot of tiny little bits. Doesn't that add up? Yeah, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. Not compared to how much is there. Cause, because remember, they're storing up. We, we collect twice a year, and they're storing up enough for, the, uh, enough for the winter and the seasons when there is no nectar being collected. So, um, so what we do, and we never take all the honey. We only take about a third of it. So we, we take it, and as these, uh, as these fat and happy bees are, you know, rolling around, and don't, don't, don't get me wrong, they're still pretty pissed at you for going in there and taking their food. Uh, you, you take a, a big brush and saw, gently brush them off of the thing, and then as you move away, you brush again, and those bees will fly off back to the hive. And uh, and then you drop as you drop as bee free uh, a comb as you can in the bucket, and then you put a cover on it. At the end of the time, after we've collected maybe four bars, five bars of honey, which um, will equate to about um, uh, two quarts, uh, three quarts. Uh, what we'll do is we'll actually open up the top of the five. You know, we'll walk the five gallon bucket in front of the hive, probably about 30 feet away, open it up. And I'll usually take a paper towel and try to kind of kind of scoot out any that haven't, you know, that that aren't there to stay. And uh, then after that, we put the cover on and go and, and process the honey. So by that time, I, I probably have, you know, we probably in, in the honey that didn't leave that'll end up getting killed, maybe 30 bees, I'd say. Now, 
you know, the same is true for bears. You start smoking them out, they immediately gorge themselves on all the honey. But you see, this is why I was confused. Because when a bear gorges himself on all the honey, he doesn't leave anything behind for you. No, no, he does not. Right. Does not. So that's why when I go and I harvest honey from the bears, I use a big-ass tranquilizer dart. And I shoot the bear with that. He passes out. Because if you do the smoking technique, and I know I've tried it, haven't we all? You try smoking out the bear. The first thing he says is, holy crap, there's a fire. Nom, nom, nom. And there's no honey left. And then, you know, know, but but, but Peter, I've tried the tranquilizing on the bees. And I just can, just (laughs) refilling the darts alone (laughs) takes so much time. You know, a whole weekend would go by. And and I may have tranked about 100 of the 20,000 bees. You know, and what do I what do I do? The rest of them have woken up again. <laughs> oh man, I, I don't know if it's because I haven't eaten any food today or what, but it hurts to laugh so much. <laughs> oh boy. Now, here's the question though. Have you ever tried to harvest the beer that the honey uh, that the t- the bees are making? Because I imagine that as pissed off as they get for you trying to steal their their honey, they'll be doubly angry for trying to steal their beer. Mead. Mead. The mead. Whatever. The, the mead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've never tried the beer. I, I have tried to take some of the mead, and let me tell you something. They turn into bears. Imagine 20,000 <laughs> bears coming at you. That explains you know, it. They, they don't care about the nectar. They don't care about the honey. They don't care about the pollen at the entry entrance. They care about their mead. <laughs> that explains so much. Now, on a more serious note, I know I've asked you this in the past, Adam, but when you go to add the final um, sugar before bottling mm-hmm. your beer, mm-hmm. can you use honey or maple syrup or something other than that at that time, or is that a no-no? I, I know I've asked you, and I know you told me. I don't remember what the answer was. You can. It's a fermentable sugar, so it it will... It will ferment. It's uh, it's really if you're going to use sugars like that, if you want to get a little bit of flavor, uh, it's best to do that in the in the wort, in the primary fermentation, and yep. and don't consider the sugar that you put for priming for anything other than carbonation, because okay. the the priming sugar that's that really really simple sugar, it mm-hmm. it goes fast. And generates carbonation and dies and leaves so little residue where there's more to honey than just sugar alone. So right. you're you're going to get a lot more, and I say a lot, not a lot, but you're going to have more yep. sediment in it. And, and you may get uneven, um, an uneven bottle. I mean, I don't... Okay. And now it's, normally I'm buying the kits where the malt is, you know, the sugar and everything. That's all together mm-hmm. already. Um, but sometimes I've bought boosters, mm-hmm. which are a type of sugar, right? Right. Yeah. All okay. all your malts are sugars. So I could add, you know, experiment with just adding some, you know, like if I wanted to make like a maple Oktoberfest or something like that, I could just like throw in, say, I don't know, quarter cup of maple syrup the next time I'm boiling it down or, or what? You could if you wanted to be uh, that arbitrary about it. Uh, what I would do is I would do a Google search for some 
maple recipes and see mm-hmm. what volume they're doing uh, because you could you could just experiment it's just i hate mm-hmm. to experiment on a four week process <laughs> yes <laughs> yes yes indeed well speaking of those processes my oktoberfest is uh, ready to bottle uh-huh so uh, I'll probably be doing that this weekend. And my cerveza is probably, at this point, ready to drink. Mm-hmm. So I might even try some of that this weekend. As nice, well. so. nice. And, and the ex- the experimental porter, uh, you know, that one's sort of, we're, we're kind of on our, uh, on, on, I'm waiting, sitting on the edge of my seat to see how this one turns out because I'm a little <laughs> nervous. It, it, was, it was touch and go there for a little bit, but... Yes. <laughs> well, I actually think it'll be fine. Uh, I think that the pictures that you sent me, I couldn't tell, and I don't honestly think that I could tell the difference between fermentation at that stage and microbial growth, uh, other mm-hmm. than microbial growth would have like those uh, like tendrils of, you know, I don't, you know what I'm talking about is kind of whatever it is, their mm-hmm. mold, and I didn't see any of that. So I think that you just yeah. taught, you just put in the sugar too early and it started refermenting. So I think it's going to be yeah. work. I think it'll come out just fine. I hope so. Mm-hmm. I, I do hope so. But the I took my sip of the Oktoberfest, uh, the unscientific way, just to sip it, mm-hmm. and oh boy, it's it already tastes good. So cool. Um, again, that, that happened the last time though, and I didn't have it. I think I put too much sugar when I was bottling it. Mm-hmm. So I'm again gonna try the same strategy I did this time, and you know, stir the sugar into the keg before bottling it, and uh, hopefully come out with a more consistent uh, batch this time. Well, and I don't know if I, t- or I think I told you, uh, or because we had texted about this week during the week. So what I do is I've got my glass carboy where my secondary fermentation occurs. I know you're de- you're dealing with the Mr. Beer containers, so you don't have an extra container. You might want to have, but you. You poured it into another pot. It's called racking it, and I rack it off. Uh, I don't. You sanitize everything, so everything is always sanitized. So that's not even a that question. That goes without saying. That goes without <laughs> saying. Everything is sanitized. So I I rack the the, ferment, the fermented beer into a bucket, and I bottle from that bucket. I don't bottle from the primary or the secondary ferment or the glass carboy because I want to get rid of all the sediment so I filter it so it's sediment free and then I also stir in the priming sugar in water at that point so it's got a good so I pour the sugar in first and it's got a good time of agitating that sugar into the the fermented wort you know and it's then ready to bottle so Rather than like you described, where you had to put sugar in each individual bottle, that sometimes it didn't do it as right. But you also right. take the chance uh, with sugar like that; it's a low chance. But you take the chance of picking up something in the sugar that you don't want in there, some mm-hmm. kind of microbial growth, something, you know, something to mess with the flavor. And by boiling it ahead of time, you're sterilizing it. Gotcha. Which yeah. is, you know, <laughs> we take all this. But there's no additional risk of doing it that way than there is just pouring the sugar into individual bottles either. I mean, you've got the same – whether you dump a, a load of unsterilized sugar into your beer or oh, yeah. a, a carboy or you do it individually into a bottle, it's not going to really affect anything. Yeah, but, but you definitely want that in solution so that you know that those granules didn't lay at the bottom. Yep. So – 
but yeah, so you figured that out. And then the lager yeast. You had asked me about lager yeast. Yes. So when I bought the seasonal package um, last year, so it had one for each season, winter, spring, summer, fall, um, there was the Baltic Porter for winter. There was a uh, an Imperial uh, for autumn. A uh, Hellesbach for spring and a summer, uh, I forget. And uh, there were three beer yeasts and one lager yeast. Where would you use the lager yeast? Well, I actually wouldn't use the lager yeast at all in, <laughs> in, in any of those beers, unless I was intentionally wanting to do a lager, because the, the lager yeast does have a different flavor. I mean, not like significantly. We're talking about beer connoisseurs can tell the difference but a budweiser drinker like yep like that's beer. Like bears for instance I mean, <laughs> like bears, bears they're gonna they're gonna know like <laughs> like a mile away they can probably smell lager yeast mm-hmm. right okay but but so the 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 most significant thing that's different about lager yeast is the temperature at which it ferments so if you look on there on the packet it tells you you know ideal was like around 51 degrees fahrenheit uh, maximum 71 degrees Fahrenheit. So that means you've got to keep that in a refrigerator at like 65 degrees for the entire time of the fermentation. And lager fermentation is slower than ale fermentation. So yep. it may take 30 days for a primary fermentation or a, right. for it to finish. So... so- I have a feeling that that probably was supposed to go with the porter. (laughs) Well, a porter is typically an ale yeast. I mean, you typically use the ale yeast on that. Yeah, but on the on the porter one, that was the one where the recipe where they they discussed on the website, you know, made to take advantage of the colder temperatures and Ah. yada yada yada. (laughs) But again. I went back to the, um, you know, to the to the site to see the specific instructions, and they were the same for all of their beers. Yeah. So they talked about, you know, they they oh this will be special, seasonal, different brewing process. Now it's all the same. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I would probably get another ale yeast or what you could. I mean, you could really split one of those yeast packets in half if you don't have enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and what you do is you could prime the ale yeast before you put it before you pitch it because i those same packets that you use are what i use in five gallons so you're only doing two gallons so Hmm. you can i mean you could pour a bucket full of yeast in there it's only going to do the same amount of course there'd be a lot more sediment fallout in a bucket full of yeast uh but the yeast uh you know what you get in your palm of your hand is just i mean that's enough to make beer ferment because the way that it grows it just it grows and then uh it's a living or you know it's living it just don't think of it that way like bees (laughs) like bees (laughs) (laughs) so they 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 live their life after 20 days and that's it oh man (laughs) that's why they sting you they're bitter (laughs) (laughs) so i still think that uh I don't. I don't know that I would enjoy getting stung by bees, even lethargic bees. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing. The thing is, is that once you have a suit, 
you're not going to get stung unless you uh, are you, unless you don't properly cinch up the uh, you know the cuffs and wear gloves and stuff like that. You're pretty much covered 100% of your body, and they can sting all they want. In fact, after you collect honey, a lot of times you'll have little stingers in your uh, in in your outfit uh, because you know a couple of them had stung you either accidentally because you know as you're lifting things up and stuff, you, your arms go, come down at your sides, and there might be a bee underneath there, and it feels trapped and it'll sting you. But like I said, they're they're pretty. Um, they're pretty, uh, you know, not very aggressive. I mean, I could I could go out there. A lot of times I'll put sh- uh, a sugar water solution on, you know, as, as fall approaches or early spring, and, and I'll put that out there, and they'll be flying all around me, and I'll just I'll go out and shorts and flip-flops. <laughs> so you put a sugar water solution out there for the bees. You can make a sugar water solution for the beer, I'm just the the overlaps between these is just bears. amazing. And, and oh, of course, oh, don't I, forget I mean, the bears. They they funnel that stuff. I mean, I've seen them, <laughs> especially around here at the college frat parties. You see the bears and the kegs funneling the sugar mm-hmm. water, and it's just it's 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 amazing that they they don't have more uh, cases of diabetes than they do. <laughs> well, when do so like we've seen in or at least I've seen in the movies where like the bee like somebody will have their thing and then all of a sudden there'll be like bees all over their arms in these big clusters yeah. how do you do that how do you do well that? i mean how do you, you get them the, to do you, that you, you need the beer first just so you know that just, just <laughs> so that you don't freak stuff. out <laughs> exactly exactly because the key is is you can't freak out but uh but it, it's you know they obviously they do things in the movies and stuff that you uh that you 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 don't see like they they possibly spray some sugar water on your arm or something like that you know a sugar water solution on your arm or something like that but to be honest i mean bees are just crawling around if i stick my hand in the hive and just put my hand and arm in there uh, eventually my arm is just filled with bees mm-hmm. because they're crawling around they start crawling over my arm uh, you know and i uh, and it's just the way it is i mean now granted i don't have my bare arm in there because you know i'm well a i don't have the beer and b i <laughs> you know i'm not stupid but i uh, you know but i usually have like a uh you know a a a, a a suit on so that I wouldn't get stung. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, very cool. Well, uh, do you want to talk about any more hobbies, Peter? I was going to chat with Tim about our security webinar yesterday. Let's talk, uh, talk it up. And I did mention, I have to break a little bit early. Mm-hmm. So, um, just, just go on. And if I need to leave soon and you guys are still going, don't, don't stop on my account. Oh, we, we still got 15 minutes of your time. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, well, so yesterday, so Tim, we, we did, uh, you learned from six successful <laughs> cybersecurity experts. <laughs> or, or, or in Peter's case, incredible. Incredible. Incredible experts. It um, sounded credible. We it sounded we, incredible. Yeah. Well, well, was there anything that, that uh, didn't get covered? That you wish had get gotten covered. You know how you you always like think about these things afterwards, and oh, you're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> shoot, we didn't talk about firewalls. I know I, I, we didn't get to talk about backups. I mean, I'm the well, you know, you know, backups. Backups is one of the things. One of the things I wanted to talk about was uh, GOIP filtering because uh-huh. I've found that to be a great success. 
Yep. Exactly. Country blocking because I actually I had uh, it were one one site that actually got hit by a fairly nasty virus uh, because and, and it was because of a, a particular individual uh, <clears throat> doctor who uh, clicked on some things. And uh, it, and I that's the site that really it once they got infected, even after we cleaned up the infection, they kept getting hit by or, or the the logs of the firewall and the server and stuff were getting uh, hit by IP addresses in India and China. And I implemented GOIP filtering. Boom. No problems from that point on. I would have liked to really go around to see if everyone was doing that or if it was just something they were doing as they needed it. So, so Tim, some, repeat what GOIP filtering is to a layman. Okay. Uh, well, let's start out with the fact that uh, the Internet is filled with IP addresses, so uh, which is uh, a, four sets of three numbers. Hold on. And wait to... No, no, no. no, 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 no. I'm, I'm I'm, <laughs> do you want me not to go where you type in Google and it translates it to one <laughs> yeah. of those numbers? In we the beginning... Time in the beginning, the dinosaurs walked the earth, <laughs> the, <laughs> and, and then there was Adam. <laughs> well, what? I, well, so, so first okay. off, define okay, so, so, geo, uh, which is geography. Geography, ge it's a geographic IP filtering. Every single country is given a series of addresses, mm -hmm. um, and the addresses are four sets of numbers. And the it's, it starts with zero zero one all the way up to two fifty four, and um, and so and then that's the first set of four, and then beyond that, so um, like twenty four dot one ninety nine dot one fifty two is a Time Warner in the U.S., specifically in the southeast part of the U.S. Mm -hmm. And so that's its geologic or ge geographical or geo-IP location. And so by geo-filtering, what you can do is uh, you can, depending on the, the type of firewall, you can actually get a filtering service that can go in and that can, uh, you can include or exclude countries based on their IP address. So I, in this case, for this particular location, uh, I specifically only allowed US-based IPs to get through their firewall before it even set upon the firewall rules. Mm -hmm. Sounds like they're like phone numbers, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And all I did was get rid of a whole bunch of area codes, or in this case, country codes. Cool, cool, yeah. Well, and... I, I thought about that. You know, I, I have I've used that as well. It, it works horrible in companies that are um, multi-country, you know, because you, you you're always unblocking somebody. But I mean, not it's not horrible. That's an overstatement. Uh, yeah. But the, the other the other thing I wanted to talk about was physical security. Mm hmm. Yeah, uh, that's something that we didn't we didn't talk. I, I I forget who it was exactly who brought it up, but someone brought it up at the very end. I think it was Brian LaChapelle from Canada uh, who brought up. You know, we didn't talk about physical security. Mm -hmm. um, the, the those were that that was really the other thing that that I thought was interesting that that I would have liked to talk about. I I particularly had a customer who uh, over and over the there would be someone who would break in. The, it was a group of young kids who would break in the back door, would run to the nearest doctor's office, grab a computer, and then run out before the police got there. Mm -hmm. And the, the alarms would be going off, 
and uh, you know the the uh, they did that like seven times before they finally got caught. Oh wow! They needed better locks. <laughs> yeah, better. Yeah. <laughs> and they shouldn't have had patient data on those computers sitting out on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, the, the, the funny thing is, they did have patient data, and they're no longer in business. Ah, well, there you oh, go. Oh, that is funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, it's blame the bees. To be. yeah, and yeah, we didn't get to that in the web or in the webinar, and I was thinking about that. And you know, another big thing is, uh, you know, I'm working with a larger company right now, and they want logging every time a user goes in and out of the server room. And it's a perfect way, you know, if you got a swipe card to know exactly who went in at what time. Even better with bio. So, like my data center, I swipe in the door, I got to punch in a code, and then when I actually go into the data center, I've got to put my fingerprint on it. So they know it was actually Adam Bell who went to the data center, or at least Adam Bell's finger. Or Adam Bell's finger <laughs> went to the data center. But I mean, that, you... that, that's, that's that's been kept at your body temperature. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So anyone, if you're going to cut Adam's finger off, you must first keep it cold so that the blood is there, and then you must heat it up, it, preferably microwave, before <laughs> you place it on the biosensor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Oh. And 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 nice enough. I mean, I I'm with Peak Ten, and I uh, and and they have microwaves in right next to their. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You dip, put it in a coffee pot or whatever. You know. Yeah, that's way too much work. Uh, <laughs> when I do it, and I chop a finger off. Um, I will keep it on ice, as you said. And usually, I'm nursing some kind of injury from Krav Maga or mountain biking, so I have an ice pack on me already. So it's pretty easy. Like I'll have one on my shoulder, for instance, and then I'll just take the thumb, shove it under there, so it's like no one sees it, no one looks at me because they're the injured guy. No one wants to bother with me. <laughs> yeah. But then when I get there, usually there's some kind of wireless transmitter in the way, and those are microwaves. <laughs> so what you do is you just stand back as far as you can and just reach because you don't want to microwave yourself. But if you just hold it out, you know, by your by the tips of your fingers out in front of the microwave receiver, the, the point, the there, point to point, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, then that heats yeah. right up, boom, and you're good to go. <laughs> Works every time. Tim, yeah, I, no, but I but I agree with you. Physical security. I'm sorry, you were gonna say. I don't I don't know what it is about you, and you make Peter silly. <laughs> <laughs> it's all the beer and the honey. It's all the beer and the honey. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and the fact that we don't talk to each other very much. <laughs> yes. Well, usually it's uh, you know it's it's Adam. You have to tell. Tim, this for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Adam, could you tell Peter this? Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. So, so Tim has Tim has our nifty for the day. Oh, What's yeah, I did. I did. What What was the nifty going to be? It oh, was going to be your teleprompter. Oh yes, my teleprompter. Yes, uh, I I've been recording these Tech on Tuesday uh, video uh, tips for people. I haven't put them on my website yet, but I will. Uh, shameless plug: www.rcor.com. And uh, the uh, I noticed Adam just uh, turned the recording off and then back on when I gave that. Oh so, no. Uh, but but anyway, um, what I, what I did is I was having so much problem with the fact that I maybe I'm just 
not one of these people to memorize things, but I would have like a two-page uh, script for a one or two-minute video, and I'd read through it, I'd memorize it, and then I'd do 20 takes, and I'd flub up words along the way. So I said, I decided, you know, I'm I'm really remembering it. It's just I need something to prompt me along. So I tried taping it to either side of the um, either side of the uh, camera, and and my eyes would, you know, I I wouldn't be looking at the camera. So I went and I got. Uh, this uh, it was it was actually through Amazon. It's it's called I believe it's called Dual Glass, and um, it, the what it does is it um, the teleprompter. Uh, what it does is it, you uh, you put your iPad and you put this over the lens of the camera, and it's clear glass. And what happens is uh, you can, if you tilt your uh, iPad underneath it, it will actually show up on the glass. But since it's a dual glass, your camera won't see it. So your words will be running across the front of the glass. So you're looking straight at the camera and uh, as the words are appearing, but the camera never sees that. I think we need so, to add show notes to this. This sounds interesting. Yeah, yeah, I've got a link. Yeah, I'm going to add a link because, I mean, we do enough webinars. That's why I thought this would be nifty to hear about. Yeah, and and, (laughs) and the one one that I got was like, I don't know, 150 bucks. And uh, it was the least expensive one, uh, but uh, it's sometimes called dual glass. It's sometimes called beam splitter glass. Uh, And what it is is just like it's a piece of glass and a little frame that your camera sits behind and then you sit uh, in, in front of. And uh, what ends up happening is, again, you can you can just be reading your script essentially, and uh, you can you know, and it will it'll record through it, and you won't see it. So it's kind of neat. It's kind of a neat thing. Uh, yeah. You know, it's it's great for like what I'm doing. I'm doing one to two minute videos on how to add a network printer, how to make a secure password, that type of thing, and uh, I don't have to memorize it. That's really cool because, yeah, I'm looking at it right now, and it, it supports the iPad, as you said, uh, standard, well, a HD video camera or even a GoPro you could put right behind it. That's pretty slick. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, and, and like I said, it, it, the, the one that I bought was not expensive. There were some very expensive ones out there, but the one that I bought was not expensive at all. And it was something that, uh, it, you know, uh, was easily set up. Mm-hmm. I mean, took you took the guys uh, doing it at uh, $139.95. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's more expensive on Amazon. It's like $241 no, or that's somewhere the, else. The, but- the, no, the one, yeah, the one, the one that I bought from Amazon. There, there were different ones. The one that I bought from Amazon was 139.95. Cool, cool. I'll have to get the link and I'll put that one on there. So cool. Awesome. Well, all awesome. right. So we we are going to be able to keep our time schedule, and Peter's going to awesome. be able to go out for his his birthday party, and uh, hopefully we'll see him next week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, and he's back. <laughs> so, so Peter, you, you didn't tell us how old you were. How old are you again? I, I gave my age. That information is uh, delivered by an encrypted channel, <laughs> and uh, it's on a need-to-know basis. And um, yes, we need to know. No, you don't. 
according to our company policy uh, yeah, against info, which uh, to guard against information disclosure, we, we etc. 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 So we're cool. You you know, you know right now I'm looking you up on several websites that actually give ages. Just so you know that I know, and you know what's really interesting is how inaccurate some of those are. I'd be curious to see how many different results you get because they can be uh, fun. Seventy five right now is is your current age. I always wow, you <laughs> got it right on the nose the first time, <laughs> and you look really wow. good for that. Just so that you know that. Jeez. I was, yeah, I've been ever since I turned forty. I've been saying I've, I'm fifty. Really? <laughs> yeah, I look good for fifty. <laughs> you know, you know, it was interesting. I wa- I don't know if the guy was being really kind to me, but I walked into Lowe's the other day, and we were talking about the weather and how uh, cold it was, and it was so funny because he he said now he, he said to me he's an older gentleman he said uh yeah older I'm almost fifty yeah goodness um <laughs> he, he he said to me you won't remember this you weren't even born but I lived north of uh, I lived ninety miles north of New York in 1976 before you were born <laughs> I I moved down here and and I was like I was like sir in 1976 <laughs> I was nine years old. <laughs> I was in high school then. Yeah, I was, in, I was. I was in high school at that point. I moved here, you know, four years later. <laughs> so, well, cool. All right, gents, I've got a roll. All right, and uh, so, so Tim, at the at the end of our podcast, we we hit a button. Do you know which button? No, which button? <laughs> the big red the button. Big- on Skype. <laughs> On Skype. <laughs> Sorry. I'm too busy trying to look up Peter's age. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, I'm going to hit the big red button. <laughs> All right. Have a good weekend. Okay. Happy birthday, Peter. Happy birthday, Peter. Week. Have fun. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Uh, Bye. Big red button. To contact either us or our guests, visit blurringthelinespodcast.com. If you like what you're hearing, do us a solid and subscribe to our podcast and leave us a five-star review in iTunes, Google Play Store, or wherever you found us.